Hey, how are you? It's Aiden Jones here. You are listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 17th of October, 2023. What the fuck? Why is that? Oh, there's a new little light that's turned on on my computer. And I don't know what that means. It says recording. Who gives a fuck? How are you guys doing? I hope you're okay. You know what? I'm a bit worried about the quality of this tea that I'm about to drink. I think I put the tea bag in too early before I prepared for the podcast. Let's see. Oh, it's not as cold and shit as I thought it was going to be. Nothing could touch. Nothing could touch that tea from last week. Wasn't that? Do you guys remember how good that fucking goddamn tea was? It was so sick. Oi, bit late today. What are we? Caught at 11 p.m. I just got back from doing a gig. Before the gig, I was at the premiere, the Melbourne premiere of uh, John Crookshank's Redfern Electrical Part 2. Oh, la, 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 la. <laughs> the yawns are back. <laughs> They're fun. Every week I'm going to do a different song with the yawns. <laughs> I've, I've succeeded. The yawns have become fun. Yeah, take that. Take that, everyone else who's not me. Yeah, I went to the Melbourne premiere of uh, Redfern Electrical 2. The great John Crookshank, who I gigged with all week at the Comedy Store a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I actually can't remember the Bach tune that I was humming that time. Um, yeah, man. John Crookshank, so great. The new Redfern Electrical, fantastic. Hard recommend. Whenever it drops to YouTube, I will absolutely be watching it again and I will be recommending it to... Anyone who has the time to listen, it was, uh, there was plenty of fan service in there from the first episode, some great jokes, some great moments, and uh, yep, loved it. You know what, I've actually seen a fair bit of stuff this week. I was just talking to a friend about how like I'm doing, like last week I did three gigs, this week I did one on Sunday, I did one tonight, I got two tomorrow, I got one on Friday. And that'll probably be me again. And um, so I'm doing fewer definitely than what I have in the past, but I'm not finding myself any less productive, to be honest, because I'm still taking the time to write. And even on days when I'm not necessarily gigging, I'm taking the time to write. And I mean, I've got a new story that I'm excited about at the moment and I've got another idea for another bit. I've also got some other vague ideas on the back burner. Um, I'm not finding the time to write every day, but I just, I think I've had this fear for the longest time that if I don't gig every night and write every day, I won't be as productive. But right now it comes back to that, the foundation, the idea that I'm, my whole life is being set up around the goal of recording another special in a few years time. And, um, the first thing that I need to get in place to make that happen is uh, I need to fix my employment situation and have regular money coming in. And what I'm doing to that end at the moment is training to be a tour guide and working at Man With A Van in the meantime. And um, I'm still doing comedy and working on it, but it's just not... I just... I have other priorities at the moment. 
that feels very, very mature and very good. Very good. I went on another tour on Thursday. Saw some koalas. It was great. The tours are great. I think it's going to be great fun. Um, what was I going to talk about? You know what? I don't want to go too much into it, but I went on a lovely date last night. And it was really nice. It felt good. I actually won't talk about it too much because, you know, whatever. I'll just start ruminating. I ruminate a lot. But, um, yeah, I went on a nice date. It was great. Later that I met at a show on Friday. Um, I was just talking to a friend, actually, about... Uh, I was telling my friend about this date that I went on and she was like... Because I've met this girl through comedy at a gig that I did on Friday night. Oh. <laughs> I just put all of my weight on my elbow on the chair and it slipped off. That's what that was. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I met this girl at comedy and my friend, I was telling her that and she was like, you meet a lot of girls through comedy. And I was like, you know what? I, I started my reply to her with look. I was like, look, <laughs> yes, <laughs> in short. It's weird. I don't know. Like, I, I have friends, like, you know, male friends who I watch talk to women in a kind of, you know, in a, in a I guess I, I, just, I watch them, like, flirt with women and, you know, talk to women that I can tell that they're maybe interested in or whatever. There's, like, a certain way... There's a there's a kind of a cockiness or a bravado or not quite that like a you got to be a dick but also be kind of funny and not a dick and I just I feel like I never really developed that there's a you have to be comfortable with a level of discomfort I think and uh, I've never had to develop that because I've done stand up for most of my adult life and what that is is like kind of a little a little beacon that you put up. <laughs> <laughs> and every now and then, like often enough, a girl's like, yeah, I'll fucking see what's going on over there. <laughs> and so you never have to actually go out and like, you know, go into a bar, see the pretty girl, go up to her and talk to her. I never did that. <laughs> How to fucking do that, man? That's crazy. Nope. I've just been doing stand-up forever and every now and then some some girl is like, you know, I'm bamboozled enough to be like, this guy's really cool. <laughs> I don't necessarily even think that that's a problem, you know. It's just, I guess, different ways that people live their lives. But um, every now and then I see, I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't feel gross or whatever, but there is there are guys out there who are just really good at talking to women. And uh, when I see it, it's like a beautiful thing to behold. There's a confidence and a... I mean, it's funny. There's just funny... Just the funniest guys are not comedians, you know? I don't know how it works for women. I don't know. What are the, are the funniest women comedians? Who are the funniest women that I know? No, they're not comedians either. The funniest women that I know are not comedians. So let's just go general. The funniest people are not comedians. But... Definitely, <laughs> like, comedians don't know how to talk to women. I, 
like male comedians. Oh my god, we're a fucking pretty rough bunch, actually. <laughs> There's very few of us that are genuinely cool. I'm starting to accept that, and that's nice, you know. Fuck, man, they're just the collection of losers. <laughs> It's a beautiful community to be a part of. I was watching the David Beckham documentary today and uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's it's good, man. I'm finding time to watch stuff. I watched the last two episodes of it today and he says something in the, uh, in the last episode. <laughs> he says, uh, I think that I love the game of football more than anyone. Is what he says. And he says, I know that can't be true. Like that just absolutely can't be true. There are obviously going to be people out there who love it more than me, but I still believe that I love it more than anyone. And um, just to be obsessed with it like that, it's cool, isn't it? I was thinking whether I love comedy in that same way. I don't know that I do. Football is a very specific thing. I was just thinking about his life in the world of football and, you know, professional footballers are people who they just love it and play it and they're really good at it and whatever. And Do I love comedy like that? I don't know. I was talking to another friend today about the thing that I've been talking about for the last few weeks, you know, just about like, I guess, just not putting comedy so front and centre in my life. What the fuck do I want to talk about? I don't want to opine about any of that stuff. Man, what have I done this week that's been good? I'm pretty happy. Do you know? <laughs> have I been doing this podcast this whole time and just not been happy and now that I'm happy, I've got nothing to talk about? Wouldn't that be nuts? What have I been doing? I, um, I interviewed my friend in the wheelchair. I'll do a little teaser for that. Uh, my friend is a comedian and by the way, all of you guys, absolute fucking cowards. None of you wrote in with any questions for someone in a wheelchair. Well, you're lucky because I asked him all of the questions. We had a lovely chat. I'm going to put that out as a bonus episode, maybe tomorrow or the day after. Probably tomorrow, probably Wednesday. I won't have time to do it on Thursday, will I? I'll put it out as a bonus, mate. See what fucking happens. Try me. Oh, we had a sick convo. We talked about his disability and then I told the story. I also think I might have a way to tell the story on stage to kind of frame it as a part of another joke that I have. So um, I also actually, this girl that I went on a date with, um, she was asking me about the story. I've told everyone, man. I've, t- you know, I'm still riding the high. And she was saying she doesn't believe it or she's skeptical. And like, it kind of makes me want to find the guy, you know, I think what I'm doing is, I think here's the plan with the, here's the plan with the wheelchair story. (laughs) It's like, it's been such a huge thing. (laughs) It's the thing that I'm just so obsessed with this story. Um, That, um... Maybe like I'd tell it on stage enough to where it becomes just a bit of my material. I mean, we'll see if it does, if I can figure it out. 
And then if I get to that point, then I have a reason to message the guy who told me the story and be like, hey, man, I've been telling that story that you told me. I've just been telling it to people and now I've started telling it on stage. And I was wondering if you would put me in touch with the guy who it happened to and I could talk to him. Fuck, that'd be sick, wouldn't it? Talk to him on the podcast and be like, bro. <laughs> Fuck, man. I think I'm I think I have to do that. I think I just I don't know. I don't quite feel right about just messaging the guy who told me the story outright. I feel like I want to get it going as a bit of material first. I don't know. I just want to talk to the fucking guy, hey, in Indonesia. It's too great of a story. I was thinking about this before because I have this other story that I've been working on kind of or just thinking about in, with regards to stand-up. Uh, the story is, maybe I've told it on the podcast before, years ago when I was like 21 or 22, I was on Centrelink for six months and if you're on for six months and you don't have a job, they send you to a work skills like employment course so you go into the city. And um, you sit in a classroom with a bunch of other people who don't want to get jobs. That's the thing, right? They send you into the city under the pretense of like, okay, you don't have a job and you've been unemployed for six months getting government money. Surely the conclusion that we draw from that is that you you just don't have the skills to get a job. You you want a job, you must want a job. Everyone wants a job, but you just lack the skills. So they send you to a classroom to avail you of said skills. <laughs> avail, good word, happy with that. And, uh, but that's the thing, like, n wrong. We don't want the skills. I didn't want a job. I had all the skills, I had plenty of skills. I could have gotten a job easy. I just didn't want one. I actually was working. <laughs> I was just working. I was working cash jobs. <laughs> so I could keep claiming Centrelink and then work for cash. <laughs> That's right. I forgot I was doing that. Yeah, I think I was like cleaning. I think I was doing my cleaning job and getting paid cash. Or maybe I was working. I can't remember. Whatever it was, I was working cashies. And, um, so I went in there, maybe this is part of the story that I should tell on stage. I went in there, right. And, the, and everyone, I'm looking around at everyone else and they don't know how to get jobs. And I'm immediately think I'm better than them. Cause I'm like, you idiots. I do know how to get a job. I'm just cheating on my taxes. <laughs> And like, I, my ego is so out of control that when the guy was like, because they talk to you in such a condescending way, you know, in these classes, they're like, oh, we're here to teach you guys. I mean, I don't know if it's intentionally condescending as in they think they're better than the people in the class, but it is just this, I don't know, it's just like, we're here to help you guys. We want you to succeed. And it's like, what's success to you? Getting some fucking piece of shit job? For shit money. I don't know. I hate it. I just fucking hate it. But anyway, the, the condescension that I felt really grated me the wrong way. And I just, the whole time, I just felt like going, can't, I'm not, 
<laughs> I know how to get a job. I've got a job. <laughs> the only reason that I'm here is because I've got a job, but it doesn't pay me enough money and it's illegal. So I'm claiming Centrelink as well. <laughs> But I was like perfectly happy with that arrangement at the time. Uh, I guess I just have never really been very ambitious with money. Anyway, so the I think the course was three days, like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I rocked up like a couple hours late on the first day. And... Uh, so on the Friday, we all leave and it's done and whatever. And the guy, I remember his name was Tony. I don't know why I remember that. He must have been 55, 60 maybe. Kind man. I remember at one point, fuck, and I hated this. I remember at one point I was sitting at my desk and I guess I was like giving a lot of answers and calling out in the class and stuff. And he got down next to me. He like got down like he squatted next to me like he was my fucking dad. And um, he goes, mate. I happen to think that you are an extremely intelligent and capable young man. Uh, And I don't know what he said after that, but I was just like, I just wanted to be like, yeah, man, I know. (laughs) He was just trying to help me. I guess I'd like, let me, let me, let me reassess this memory. So, he said that to me. Now, what? where was I at the time? I, I was doing a cash job and I was getting money from the government. And I think the reason I was doing that is because I didn't know how to make more money or I just didn't want to do any kind of work that was required to make more money because all I've ever wanted to do is stand-up comedy. And that was true even then, actually. I did know that. I was just like, I don't want to work a job. I just want to do comedy. I just want to do stand-up all the time. And I just, I, I don't know, there's something about my, like, my patterns of self-worth and, you know, like, I guess I never understood how to make money or that I could or I never had the ability to kind of think long-term and set goals for myself. I was just kind of drifting around chasing the good feelings that I get from comedy without thinking about, like, how do you make money or whatever. And that was the reason I was in that position at the time. But it wasn't through any kind of lack of ability to get a job that I was in that room. I just didn't want to work. That's it. I just didn't want to work. And I didn't see the point of working or the value or or like what could be gained from from working. So when he said that to me, and I guess what he was trying to say was like, maybe he thought that I didn't believe in myself and that's what I was there. That's why I was there. I don't, I, I don't know. There was some fundamental misunderstanding between Tony and I that when he got down next to me and what I didn't like was the assumption from him that like I want to be the one to help this kid because my immediate reaction was like I don't need any help I'm doing fine and as I look back now I think you know what I probably wasn't doing fine but that wasn't the kind of help that I needed I needed help from someone who I thought was cool and respected and I didn't respect some fucking loser working (laughs) at an employment agency in the city teaching people how to write resumes. 
It's just like, yeah, man, you're right. I am very intelligent and capable. And also, I don't respect you. (laughs) Get the fuck out of my face. (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, who the fuck am I? Whatever. He's just a guy. He's doing his thing. Good on him. He seemed like he was a very happy person. Um, and he was just there trying to help people out and, you know, do a good thing and he was passionate about the work and it was his job and whatever. But I resented him. And so on the Friday, at the end of the three days, he goes, right, everyone, congratulations, you know, you're ready to get out there into the fucking workforce or whatever the fuck he said. And, uh, and then he goes, you, you and you, and he pointed at me and a couple of other people, um, missed certain parts of this course through lateness or whatever, whatever. So I'm going to need you to come back on Monday and finish the course or else I'm not going to sign you off. And uh, so the whole weekend, I thought that I was done with that. I hated every second I was there. I hated it. And I just was hanging over me. Oh, I've got to go back and do this fucking thing, man. And I get back in there on the Monday and there's a lady at the front doing the teaching thing. And I go up to her and I'm like, hey, I was here last week. And Tony said that, that I had to come back and that we, he wanted to talk to me. And she just goes, oh, I was trying to be deliberately vague because I thought there was a chance that there'd been some miscommunication and I wouldn't have to sit through half a day of the course again. So I was like, oh, yeah, I had to talk to Tony or whatever. And she goes, yeah, uh, I'm really sorry. Tony actually had a heart attack over the weekend. So um, he's in hospital right now. So he's not going to be here. So you can just go. (laughs) And I was like, yes. I, I can't remember how I reacted. I'm surely I wouldn't have visibly been relieved or what i don't know man but i was inside i was so psyched i was just like fuck obviously i would never wish anyone to have a heart attack but if someone's gonna have a heart attack it's great if it could also benefit me (laughs) i was thinking about that story today and there's some that I feel like there's a similar kind of cosmic just coincidence at play in that story as there is in the wheelchair story. I don't quite know what it is, but because there, there's something about that wheelchair story, and I think, you know, this girl not believing it, it's like it's too perfect, you know? Like what she said was she goes, I believe that a guy stole a wheelchair once and then later was diagnosed with MS. But I don't believe that they had dinner with this guy and he forgave them and whatever, whatever. And I just kind of think, why not? You know, like, why why wouldn't that happen? I, I, if you were going to make up a story, I mean, it is pretty perfect, but I just feel like stuff like that happens in the world, you know? And again, like with the th- with the thing with Tony, you know, like it's only a coincidence if you tell the story from my perspective. He probably did that every week. He probably had people in the class and to like, I don't know what his idea was. Maybe he thought, maybe he genuinely thought we'd missed out on work and he was like, 
I mean, that would be the most deluded. Surely he understood that the work that we were doing in that class was just absolute bullshit. Like, I really believe that, you know, the reason that that stuff exists, like having to go and do a skills course or whatever, is not because governments really want to help people. It's because policymakers and people in government have a contempt for people who don't work, you know? And uh, they that just that there's this idea that like everyone should work and you shouldn't be able to live without working. So if you're not working, we're going to send you to all this stuff and basically force you to go back into some kind of job situation, even if you're not. It's not really needed for you to like for the society to function. It's just not fair that some people have to work and some people don't. Or work. I don't know. You know, like. So when we were in there, we weren't learning stuff that we had to learn. We were just learning stuff just to to tick out a f- tick a few boxes and stuff so someone could make their money and whatever to keep all the wheels turning. I really that's what I believe. And uh surely Tony didn't actually believe like mate, these guys missed out on 3 hours of coursework. How are they ever going to get a job if they missed the bit on what shoes to wear? <laughs> He's going to rock up in bloody flip-flops to his Kmart interview. <sighs> so I reckon what he actually was doing, is, is surely he d- doesn't actually believe that. What I reckon he was doing was just going like, it's some kind of punishment or like teaching us a kind of lesson or I don't know. Punishment? No, you know what? I don't know. I actually don't know what he was doing. I don't see the point and all the value in any of the stuff that we did there. I didn't learn a single thing from that course. Um, but I reckon he would have done that every week, right? So it's only a coincidence that he had a heart attack if you tell the story from my perspective. In so many ways, like that's just coincidences, you know? It's not like, oh my God, how did that happen? It's like, well, of course that happened, you know? Like people have heart attacks and... If there's a person around them in the moment when they have a heart attack or, you know, like if like things happen and people like telling stories, that's, you know what, that is the title for this week's podcast. Things happen and people like telling stories. Things happen and people like telling stories and one of those people is me yup but yeah I just I want to believe I want to believe that story about the wheelchair guy and um, you know I I bet plenty of people steal wheelchairs not plenty but like you know I'd say it happens and uh I wonder how many people a year are diagnosed with MS. You know what? Let's, that's actually a good, let's do the fucking stats here. All right. Where is Google? Come on. How many people a year are diagnosed with MS in Australia? 
The prevalence of MS in Australia. some information for how common is multiple sclerosis in Australia. According to MS Australia, the prevalence of MS in Australia has increased from 103.7 per 100,000 people in 2017 to 131.1 per 100,000 people in 2021. This increase in prevalence is most likely due to changes in exposure to known MS risk factors. Well, thank you very much. That was intense, wasn't it? Um... Yeah, great. What are the MS risk factors? MS, let's find out what MS risk factors. I just, you know, okay, 131 in 100,000. So that's 1,131. Is it? Sorry, 1,000. Uh, uh, yeah, 1,310 per million. So it's about, uh, it's about fucking two, Jesus Christ. It's 2.6 thousand. What? Yeah, 2.6, maybe three, three and a half thousand per year in Australia in a country of 25 million people diagnosed with MS. Let's say it's 3,000. Now, <laughs> how many people in a year steal wheelchairs at the footy? <laughs> I mean, let me search. How many people a year steal wheelchairs? Oh, this is not even an auto answer. The long-term impact of wheelchair delivery. No. All right, let's type in wheelchair <laughs> theft. <laughs> That'd be a good name for a band. <laughs> oh, my God. Tips to prevent your wheelchair being stolen. Oh, that's a nightmare. Fuck. People are fucking searching this. Oh, that's such a bummer. Now I feel sad now. P- police release CCTV showing theft of electric wheelchair from Adelaide home. Yeah, okay. I don't need to read this stuff. It's just making me sad. How many people use wheelchairs a year? Whatever. I don't care about this anymore. Point is, things happen and people like telling stories. <sighs> Enough people steal wheelchairs. Eventually one of them's going to get a thing that puts them in a wheelchair and there's the story. And that story is compelling enough that people are going to retell it. I reckon that's that's it, isn't it? Enough people steal wheelchairs and, you know, like just do disrespectful things to people with disabilities. Eventually, one of those people is going to wind up with a disability themselves just by the weight of probability, right? And then when that happens... That's a story and that's a pretty compelling story and that's just going to get retold because there feels like there's some kind of internal karma or whatever to that story and I think that's what's happened here. That's kind of what urban legends are, isn't it? Things that kind of play on our insecurities or our or our kind of pre-existing ideas about how the world is. Like that urban legend that I always heard when I was growing up about the guy who was on acid and he ended up thinking he was he, he had like a psychotic break and he thought he was an orange and that everyone in the world was trying to peel him. 
um, that was like a, an urban legend in Adelaide when I was young about like don't take too much acid, you know. Man, urban legends are fucking cool, aren't they? Because it is, it's that. It's like it, it tells us something about ourselves. If a story is compelling enough and speaks to a part of our psyche and our, our, our like the way that we think about the world, it's just going to get retold. That's what great stories are. They get retold because they speak to something in us. And um, eventually those stories, they, they, like the author is just lost and they become, oh, that's so interesting. This is why I want to put this story in my act, man. Because it's just interesting. I don't even know what's funny about it yet. But yeah, I got to st- You know what? I can't do it tomorrow and I can't really do it on Friday either. But maybe on Sunday I'll go to an open mic and I'll just tell that story on stage. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. All right, look, I think I might be done here because I don't know that I have that much else to say this week. Um so I don't want to waste too much of your time. But I reckon the photo for this week is going to be me and some uh, uh, three of my boyfriends from Man With A Van. Um, we were at a job the other week and one of the items was a giant teddy bear wrapped in plastic. And we got a photo, all four of us, with the teddy bear in the truck And I'm going to use that as the photo for this week because I think it's funny and cute. Thank you guys for listening this week and every week. I hope you're having a good time wherever you're at. Don't steal any fucking wheelchairs. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.